Well, good weekday evening. Today is Thursday, September 29th, and you are tuned in to the Parents of Prodigals weekly podcast. I'm your host, Brother Alan Weir. For this brief time that we're together, normally from 7 to 8, but as the Spirit leads and whatever happens, for the past several weeks, we have gone past the 8 p.m. mark because the Spirit of God has prevailed. For the past two weeks, we've had some guests. Two weeks ago, we had a young brother from the church named Keith Valdez, and he shared his testimony as a young man of God and what the Lord did for him and how the Lord delivered him. And then last week, we had another young man by the name of Brother Jerron Wilkins Jr. And he shared his testimony, having been raised in the church and having left the church for a period of time, several years, being backslidden and involved in a variety of other things. He shared that there was involvement with narcotics and many other things he was involved with. But eventually the Holy Spirit convicted him and through a series of events, he reached a point where he had a Damascus Road experience like Paul. I've mentioned before in several previous podcasts that some people come to Christ by just being called by the Lord, and they get right up. Tax collector Matthew stood up when Jesus told him, follow me. And Matthew stood up and followed him. But other people, like Saul of Tarsus, a violent persecutor of the church, was making a trip to conduct further persecution. And on the road to Damascus, he was knocked off his horse by the power of God and blinded. And Saul of Tarsus had a hardened heart, a hostile heart, a heart of hatred and malice and murder towards the church. And when he's knocked off his horse, he also was blinded. And that's what it took to bring him to the foot of the cross. That's what it took to bring Saul to the point where he would surrender his life to Christ. And Saul was such a violent persecutor of the church that for a while, the Bible says that when he tried to reach out after his conversion to several church leaders and other Christians to fellowship with them, they were afraid of him. They did not trust that his conversion was genuine. He was such a violent and angry and hostile persecutor of the word of God and of the people of God that they found it hard to believe that someone as hard as him could surrender their life to Christ. And that's an interesting illustration from the word of God, because 
That may be the case with those of us who are parents of wayward sons and daughters and backslidden sons and daughters who have left the faith. Perhaps they're involved in a variety of things, like Brother Keith was and Brother Jerron was. And we may think that these are the last people who will surrender their life to Christ. They seem so far away. And they came to Christ, and like the Apostle Paul, he had a Damascus Road experience. But it was difficult to believe that he was a Christian. But nothing's impossible for God to do. And that's what may be necessary for our prodigal sons and daughters. They may need to go through a Damascus Road experience. Maybe you are listening and you have a loved one who you are praying for. It could be a cousin or a sibling, whoever it may be. And they're not saved, and you're praying for them. But the enemy's whispering in your ear and in the back of your mind, coming to the forefront of your thoughts, while you're even praying for them, that they're too hardened to come to the Lord. Their mind is too closed. Their heart is too cold. Their eyes are too shut, and their ears are too stuffed up. They will never accept Christ. It would take a miracle. But that's exactly what God specializes in, miracles. I've said it before. No heart is too hardened or cold. No eyes are too shut. No ears are too stuffed up. No mind is too closed. God can open and swing open the doors of any closed heart, closed mind, closed eyes. And bring our prodigals to the point when they'll open up their mouths and confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So that was the last two weeks, and we praise God for their testimonies. They are a testimony to the power of God and to return of prodigals back to the faith. Those two testimonies are available for download. In the event you didn't hear them, you can go into the Podbean website or any other social media platform. There are several of them that the Parents of Prodigals podcast is on and listen to these two incredible but true testimonies. And if you haven't heard them, or if you have already heard them and you need re-encouragement, I encourage you to listen to them again. Listen to these stories of the power of God regarding deliverance and salvation back to the faith of prodigals. With God, all things are possible, as my brother Alex Diaz shares. He is listening tonight. Brother Alex, welcome. Glad you're tuning in. And I can see by my board that numerous people have tuned into our podcast. I welcome all of you. This podcast is dedicated and committed to prayer, supplication, intercession, and petition to those of us who are parents or guardians of wayward sons and daughters who have left the faith. We encourage you to, if the Spirit so leads you to, to call in 
There's a vehicle, a mode where we can plug you in if you so desire to come on live and share your prayer request. We would love to hear from you. If you wish to remain anonymous, we will respect your privacy. If you want the request to be unspoken, we will lift it before the throne of grace and respect your confidentiality. Or you can text the request and we will see it on the board that we have here. And you can divulge as much or as little as you like. Again, we will respect your privacy. But we do encourage you to message in one way or another and share your prayer requests. That's what this podcast is about. Lifting up our prodigals before the throne of grace and praying for them. But prayer is not just about intercession and petition and supplication. It's also about warfare. We all know that many of our prodigals are in bondage, bondage to a variety of things which are keeping them from surrendering their lives to Christ. Some of our prodigals are involved in narcotics. They're in bondage to narcotics or alcohol. Some may be in bondage to an illicit lifestyle. Some can be in bondage to money career, affluency. There's no time for God. They're busy living their lives and their walk with the Lord has been pushed into the background. Some of our prodigals have never accepted Christ. Others were involved in the church and have wandered away for a variety of reasons. Some prodigals are in bondage to bitterness. They have been hurt by the church Maybe something they've experienced in church, something they've seen or heard, something was done to them, and they are hostile to the church and to the gospel, a prisoner of bitterness and anger. Some of us know where our prodigals are, maybe in other towns or other cities or other households. And then there are those of us who are parents or guardians of prodigals We don't know where they are. We don't know who they're with or what they're involved with or what they're doing. And we are anxious. And sometimes we worry about them. But the Lord knows where they are and what they're doing. God is omniscient, all-knowing, and omnipresent. He is everywhere. And he knows all things. And nothing is out of his reach. And no one is beyond his reach. And so we encourage you to be a part of this podcast. This is a live podcast, so we encourage participation. If you'd like to chime in with a prayer request or a testimony, what the Lord has done for you, maybe to call in and share a favorite scripture. The scripture you share may be an encouragement to a listener. Or maybe you'd just like to share a word, an insight. We welcome that too. Iron sharpens iron. But in order for that to happen, there must be contact. So we encourage you to contact us. This is a live podcast. And as always, we begin our podcast with a word of prayer. So please join me 
for an opening prayer. Father, I thank you. We thank you for this brief time when we can come together for intercession, prayer, supplication for our wayward and prodigal sons and daughters that we are either parents of or guardians of. Time is short, Father, we know that. And the rapture could take place any moment, and we don't want our prodigals to be left behind. Nor do we want them to face a Christless eternity. And so we pray that this be a time of deliverance and salvation. If there is a prodigal that's listening, that you touch their hearts. And if there are parents and guardians of prodigals who are listening, that you encourage them for this brief time. Strengthen, encouragement, and comfort as we pray in supplication for our prodigal and wayward sons and daughters. Let whatever is said here by myself or anybody else be an encouragement. Let it be edifying to the hearers. Let it be salt. Lord God, let our speech be seasoned with this salt. Put a burning coal on the tongue of anyone who calls in or shares so that we are all mutually strengthened by each other's faith. We thank you that you'll bring this to pass. We ask for cleansing from sin. If we have said or done anything displeasing in your sight, we want to approach the throne of grace clean in your sight. And so we bring all these petitions and requests before you. and We thank you in Jesus' name in advance, because we know you'll bring it to pass. Amen. The following is a devotion which I want to share with you, and it's actually the result of a Bible study that I do. And I will not go into the entire study, but some insights that I want to share with you. And we always try to tie in our devotionals to the topic of prodigalism. And how it applies to the situation. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. And the title of our devotion tonight is a little unusual. It is, Yahweh has remembered again. Yahweh has remembered again. And while you're finding that text in your Bibles, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 20, I want to mention that that title, Yahweh Has Remembered Again, is also the name of one of the characters of our devotional tonight, Zechariah. Our devotional will discuss the characters of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So we will read. Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 20. I'll be reading from the New American Standard Bible. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to complete an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you, 
in consecutive order, most excellent Theopolis, so that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. And now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous, so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you, and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words. And this is an important portion of our passage. The latter part of verse 20 says, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. A long portion of scripture, but I felt it was necessary to get the entire account of what we're making reference to tonight. You know, I mentioned earlier that this evening we're going to do a short devotional character study on the testimony of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were the parents of John the Baptist, but the fulfillment of what they had hoped for, a child, didn't come easy. In fact, Zacharias, again, is the same as our title. Yahweh has remembered again. And that's an interesting name because at what point Zechariah felt that the Lord had forgotten him in his prayers. And this story can be an encouragement to us as we wait for the fulfillment 
of our prayers for the salvation of our prodigal sons and daughters. But what were the characteristics of their situation in their lives that ultimately led to their prayer being answered? What we're going to do in this short devotional is unpack this and examine it. So let me share this with you. Now verse 6 says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in the sight of God. and They walked blameless in all the commandments and the requirements of the Lord. Now, as a couple, their relationship was spiritual in unity. So one of the characteristics was the unity in their spirituality. Unity in spirituality is important for our prodigals to see. Now, many prodigals, of course, if they live in two-parent households, may be watching to see if their parents are praying or reading their Bibles, watching their walk in the Lord. But again, verse 6 says that they were both righteous in the sight of God. Apparently, Zechariah was a priest, not just in vocation, but also apparently in his home. And that word both is an interesting phrase. Let's not take that word both for granted. They were both righteous in the sight of God as a couple. That word both in the Greek is amphroteroi, amphroteroi. It means together, in unity. When Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares, he mentions that they grew together, amphroteroi. They grew in unity, so much to the point where you could not tell them apart. Now, that was in a negative sense, but in a positive sense, Zacharias and Elizabeth were growing together amphromatoi. They were both righteous. And our prodigals need to see that those of us who are parents of prodigals, mothers and fathers, or maybe guardians, are growing together spiritually, that it's a unified spiritual household, each one encouraging each other. But perhaps maybe you are a single parent or a single guardian. If that's the case, let your prodigal see that you are amphroteroi with the Lord, that there is a unity, a close relationship between you and God, whether it's a two-parent household or a single-parent household, or single-parent guardian household. There needs to be amphroteroi that the prodigals can see. Spiritual unity, whether it's you and the Lord, or your husband and wife, your prodigals need to see that you are a team spiritually, encouraging each other and growing together. Our passage also mentions that they were both righteous in the sight of God. Now, what does that mean, that they were righteous in the sight of God? Well, the Greek word for righteous is dikaios, dikaios. And it refers to a standard of obedience. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were not sinless. They weren't perfect. But this pertains and refers to sincerity and 
the intensity and extent of their obedience. Their lives were in alignment with regards to obedience and submission. And so our prodigal sons and daughters and our prodigal children, they may not live at home, they may be living away from us and they come to visit us. Well, whether they're living with us or whether they come to visit us, do they see that we are in spiritual unity? Do they see that our lives are in alignment with regards to our obedience and submission to the Lord? Spiritual unity and lifestyle righteousness. It also mentions that they were walking in accordance to the requirements and the commandments. Now, I was sharing in a previous podcast regarding the word walking. It just doesn't refer to physical walking. But again, that word walking in the Greek is poreu, poreu. It refers to traveling or going on a journey with a destination. The word used in this passage is porenomai. Porenomai. It means to go from one place to another. Zechariah and Elizabeth, no matter where they were or what they were doing, they were obedient, submissive, and steadfast. And although they were praying for a child for the longest period of time, they didn't base their obedience on whether their prayer was answered or not. In fact, the scripture mentions that Elizabeth was barren and Zechariah was of old age. Now, in Hebrew custom, in Jewish custom, when a woman was barren, Many times a husband would wait. Perhaps something medically could be done, or perhaps a situation would change. But after a lengthy period of time, if the woman who was barren did not show any possibility of bearing a child, the husband was within his right, according to Jewish custom, to divorce his wife and move on, for lack of a better term, to a wife who could give him children. That was the Jewish custom that was allowed, and Zechariah could have done that. But it's interesting to see that Zechariah did not do that. He did not take matters into his own hands. Instead, he remained with Elizabeth. He stayed with her and continued, both of them continued to pray. For the blessing of having a child. And so our prodigals need to see that we are not taking matters into our own hands, that we are fully committed and trusting God with everything in our lives, that we are walking in unity with each other. Amthorpenai, Amthorpenoi, that we are walking in unity, spiritual unity and mutual spiritual support. And our lives are righteous in full and complete obedience with regards to submission to God. Our walk has to be evident that our prodigals can see that we are living for the Lord. 
but it also mentions that they were blameless. Now, the term righteous refers to how we appear more in the sight of God, that God sees that we are trying to obey him and living according to his word. The term blameless, amethos in the Greek, amethos means to find fault, to be unblameable. And that's more of a external thing in the Greek. Again, it means to live in submission and obedience before God, but more than that, before people around us. And again, I mentioned that they were not sinless, but God was pleased with their level of obedience. And in the sight of the people around them, they were testimonies. And people saw that they were being obedient and steadfast in serving the Lord. And despite the fact that Elizabeth was barren, she still continued to serve and obey the Lord. And Zechariah continued to serve in his priestly service. They didn't split up. They didn't throw in the towel. But they continued to pray as long as it took, committing the matter into God's hands. And that's what's necessary as we continue to pray for our prodigals. Many times, although this passage speaks of physical barrenness, Zechariah and Elizabeth did not experience spiritual barrenness. They didn't become discouraged or bitter towards God as long as it took to answer their prayer for a child. You know, barrenness, whether it's physical or spiritual, can lead to bitterness in many of us as God's people. And it can develop in the heart of a disappointed couple who cannot have a child. But more than that as well, it can also occur when people are serving God and praying for something and don't see any results. You know, there's an illustration of a missionary couple who served diligently for many years in a foreign country with no visible fruit. And they asked in frustration, have we wasted our lives? A young pastor and his wife labored five years for a thankless and unresponsive congregation, pouring out their lives for the people in their church. And the young pastor and his wife questioned, to the Lord, do they even care? And Zechariah and Elizabeth are a model for anyone who is facing either physical or spiritual barrenness. They had an impeccable reputation. They were faithfully obedient and served the Lord for many years, praying for child children, but nothing was coming about. Instead of becoming and stopping their obedience, instead of becoming bitter and angry, they kept serving and obeying the Lord. And in his time, like verse 20 mentions, fulfilled at the proper time, God honored them with a child. The word of God says that God is able to do above and beyond what he promises. And so in order to avoid developing a bitter spirit in our lives, many of us are praying for our prodigal sons and daughters and they may reach a point where we become weary of praying for them. We don't see any change. We don't see anything happening. But the Lord has his timing. 
We need to continue to obey the Lord in the place where we called. No matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we need to trust God to bless us in his time, in his way, and according to his plan as we continue to pray for our prodigal sons and daughters. Eventually, God answered, <clears throat> excuse me, Zechariah's and Elizabeth's prayer. And let's not forget again verse 20, which says, it was fulfilled at the proper time. It's important that we continue to trust God. You know, one of the things that happened when the angel appeared to Zechariah, Zechariah questioned the angel and said, how can I be certain about this? In Greek, in layman's terms, what this means is, how can I believe something as preposterous as this? That term in Greek, how can I be certain of this, implies that he wanted a sign. He wanted proof. But the angel of the Lord's only response was not to offer a sign. He stated, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God. And he stated he was charged to bring him this message. The very fact that God had come to Zechariah with a promise should have been enough. And we need to take God at his word. We don't need to ask the Lord, how can we be certain of this? Will God save my prodigal son and daughter? How can I be certain that he will? We need to be certain and believe that the Lord will answer our prayers for our prodigal sons and daughters. And like verse 20, the answer to our prayer will be fulfilled at the appointed time. We don't know when it's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to happen. But God has the perfect time and the perfect plan to save our prodigal sons and daughters. Let's continue to trust him. Time may have passed. We may become weary. But the angel told Zechariah, God has heard your prayers. And God has heard your prayers for your prodigal son and daughter. And he will answer it at the appointed time. Father, I thank you for this time, Lord God, this short devotion. And I pray that this word fell on good ground on the hearers, that it was an encouragement to those who were listening. And like Elizabeth and Zechariah, that we may continue to pray. They prayed for years for a child. And despite the fact that Elizabeth was barren, and despite the fact that Zechariah was in old age, no odds are too difficult for you to overcome. Nothing is impossible for you, Lord. And in that same way, no circumstances are impossible for you to resolve to save our prodigal sons and daughters. You will answer our prayers at the appointed time. Give us the strength to continue to trust you and to commit them into your hands, which are the best hands that our children can be in. 
Thank you for their salvation. We know it will come at the appointed time. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to take a musical interlude. And again, before we do that, I want to invite you to, again, if you feel so led to, call in or text your message in, maybe with an insight, a testimony, or a scripture you'd like to share as an encouragement to our listeners, even myself. I would love to hear from you. Again, this is a time of prayer, supplication, and petition, and intercession, and ironing, sharpening iron. And so after this brief musical interlude, we shall return with more of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. Rejected and the 
We welcome you back to the remaining time of the Parents of Prodigals podcast. We're coming to the end of our program, and I want to share something with you today, and then we will enter into prayer and intercession for a prayer request that we have. There was a recent uh, study done by the Barna Group regarding young people leaving the church. This was a recent study, and it focused on millennials, that particular age group, that are not just leaving the church itself, but the faith as well. There was also a survey conducted by the Lifeway Research Center the top five reasons why young people are leaving church. One reason was they were moving away to college or moving out of the household, which meant, of course, that if they were going to church with their family, once they're on their own, they were ceasing to attend church. A second reason was that church members seemed judgmental or hypocritical, disillusionment with what they saw around them and hypocrisy made them turn from the faith. Another reason was they didn't feel connected to people at the church. Maybe there wasn't the kind of spirit that fostered love in the church. Many young people disagreed with the church's position on some political or social issues, and they may have had a parting of the ways with the worldview that the church had. Another reason was work responsibilities or studies or familial obligations prevented them from attending church, and they got preoccupied with life. On a more specific group of people, in the Barna study on why youth were leaving Christianity, one out of nine, 11%, have lost complete faith in Christianity. Four out of 10, 40%, have left the church because of disillusionment with organized churches and religion but still call themselves Christian. And maybe perhaps they are reading their Bibles and praying at home, but do not want to be part of a church body for reasons of maybe disillusionment or seeing hypocrisy, whatever the reason may be. Two out of 10, 20% disconnect from church and they've expressed frustration about church culture. They don't like what they see or what they hear. And again, they leave the church. Only three out of 10, 30% were staying involved in the church in a very menial way, maybe attending on a Sunday. And so we have many young people who are leaving the faith, not just the faith, if they haven't left the church building, they've left their beliefs, and they are turning to other 
avenues of belief because of their disillusionment and anger for whatever the reason is. And so those of us who are parents of prodigals and wayward sons and daughters may or may not be aware as to what the reasons are why they have either departed from the faith, whether being preoccupied or disillusioned or angry, whatever the reason is, we need to keep praying for them and lifting them up. There may come a time and a point where there is nothing we can do on our own power. All we can do is continue to live for Christ before them, living righteously, living in unity, having our walk be blameless before them, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, and continuing to pray no matter how long it takes, just like they did, until the answer comes at the fulfilled time. And so at this point in time, what I would like to do, those of you who are listening, to join me in a word of prayer. There's a young man that we lift up in prayer every Thursday. His name is Edgar. He is the adult son of a dear church sister and brother at Soul Purpose. And this young man is a family man. He has a child, and he has been living a certain lifestyle. And unfortunately, his child is witness to that lifestyle. And so the request is that he come back to the faith. Apparently, he is familiar with the gospel, but he's caught up in a lifestyle which he does not wish to leave. And so we're going to lift him up in prayer. And as well, we're going to make this a general prayer for him and for any prodigal son or daughter. And what we're going to do is we're going to pray scripture. I have in front of me Psalm 146. Psalm 146. And we are going to employ the word of God in our prayer. We are going to intercede and petition for prodigals by praying scripture. And so join me as we read Psalm 146 and pray scripture on behalf of our prodigal sons and daughters, Edgar and others. Lord, we praise you, Heavenly Father. We praise you. Our soul praises you. And we will praise you as long as we live, Lord God, as long as there's breath in our bodies. And we will sing praises to you while we have our being, Lord God. And Father, I just lift up in prayer. Edgar and any other prodigals who are children of those of us who are parents or guardians of them. Lord, they may be putting their trust in money, putting their trust in people, relationships, or maybe other faiths. Your word says, do not put our trust, your trust in princes, in human beings, 
who cannot save. There is salvation in no one else, Lord God. And we just lift up Edgar and other prodigals that you bring them to the point where they don't put their trust in anything else and no one else because only you can save, Lord God. Open up the eyes of our prodigals. Open up Edgar's eyes and other the eyes of prodigals so that they see that no human being, no other religion, no other endeavor, no possession, nothing else can save. Lord, mortal man is temporary. When their spirits depart, they return to the ground. Everything in this life is temporary, Lord. Help our prodigals to see that all things in this world are temporary. They're not eternal. Only the things of the Spirit are eternal. And they need to come to a saving knowledge of you, Lord Jesus, and trust you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, every plan can come to nothing. Our prodigals may be successful. They may be involved in a lifestyle that is not godly, and they may be doing things and going places, may be distracted from serving you. Lord, your word says that all of our plans come to nothing. It's all a waste, Lord God. Only the things eternal count, Lord God. Let our prodigals, let Edgar see that all his plans will come to nothing, and he needs to surrender to you, Lord God. Because blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Bring Edgar to the point. Bring our prodigals to the point. Well, they will place their hope in you. And when they do that, they will be blessed. Lord, help our prodigals realize that you are the maker of heaven and earth. And you remain faithful forever. You're in charge of this world. No one else is. You will uphold the cause of the oppressed and give food to the hungry. Lord, your word says in this psalm that you set the prisoners free. And you see that Edgar is a prisoner and in bondage, as many of our prodigals are. Lord, set the prisoners free. Free our prodigals. Like Abraham went into the encampment and rescued Lot to set him free. Set our prodigal prisoners free so they can serve you. Give sight to them, Lord God, and they can see the truth and come to a saving knowledge of you, Lord. You lift up those who are bowed down, those of us who are parents and guardians of prodigals. Lord, we pray for them. Lord, if they're bowed down with depression, if they're weighed down with alcoholism or drug addiction, low self-esteem, Lord, lift them up. Lift them up and deliver them, Lord God, to whatever they're in bondage in. If they're bowed down with a weight that's holding them down, Free them, Lord God. Set the prisoners free. Lord, your word says that you watch over the foreigner. You sustain the fatherless and the widow, but you'll frustrate the ways of the wicked, frustrate the plans of the evil one as he tries to keep our prodigals in bondage. Right now, our prodigals may be foreigners. They're away from you, but bring them back to you, Lord God. Save their souls 
deliver them from whatever they're in bondage to, in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you reign forever and for all generations. And we will praise you because we know you'll answer this prayer. Save Edgar, deliver him, fill him with your spirit. Bring him to the point where he will even come to church to visit, Lord God. Let him hear a message from someone. Let all of our prodigals hear the gospel, maybe through a co-worker, a friend, a song, a gospel tract. Lord, you have the perfect time, the perfect method to save all of our prodigals, Edgar, and all of our wayward sons and daughters. And like verse 20 said in Luke chapter 1, as we look to you for the salvation of our prodigals, it will be fulfilled at the proper time. No matter how long it takes, no matter how the circumstances look, we may be spiritually barren at the end of our ropes and discouraged, but we continue to trust in you. And at the proper time, our prayers will be answered and it will be fulfilled. Our wayward sons and daughters who are unsaved or wandered from the faith will return. And so we thank you for hearing our prayer for our prodigals as we commit them into your hands Give us, who are parents and guardians of prodigals, peace, encouragement, and strength. Help us to continue to pray without ceasing and rejoice always and complete trust and confidence in you. We thank you for the answer ahead of time. We know it will come to pass. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to the end of our time together. And it was a blessed time, I feel. I thank you for tuning in. And so my encouragement to you, as a fellow parent of prodigals, continue to pray without ceasing. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't quench the spirit. And most of all, keep watching the road. Your prodigal and my prodigal, all of our prodigals, will be on it as they return back home to the faith. Until next Thursday at 7 p.m., God bless you and have a good night.